Tap in the Keg Daily is live for Monday. It is February 5th. We're going to talk about the Wisconsin Sports Viewing Guide Draft for the month of February. Uh, maybe not draft, but like viewer guide, if you will. Uh, just basically running through all the games uh, from the three major teams, uh, the Bucks, Marquette, Wisconsin, and we'll get into that. I probably should have included Green Bay, but we'll have enough to talk about there. Uh, and maybe we'll, well, a slight mention uh, to the Phoenix. Uh, also, uh, we'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks tap list. We'll go over the game against Dallas. We'll go over the game against Utah. A uh, little good and bad there uh, from the weekend. And then we'll talk about Marquette and their big win against Georgetown. Uh, it's Yes, it's just Georgetown, but um, kind of a fun little segment there uh, for the Marquette. And we'll give some grades and we will head on out. But before we get going, uh, just a reminder, social media, Tevin the Keg on Twitter, Tevin Keg Sports, Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook too. Uh, we also are on the PSF app uh, where we're doing Marquette live streams. We did two last week. Uh, we'll not do one for National Marquette. I will be there. Uh, we will do another one for Baylor, uh, Butler Excuse me, on the 13th. Uh, so that'll be our next one. Uh, make sure you're signed up. Uh, join us in there. I uh, feel like... Third Tuesday, we had a better, or I think, yeah, we had a Tuesday one. Tuesday, we had a much better chat than Saturday. Um, that's good to know. Um, good to keep in mind uh, for the future. Uh, definitely uh, keeping track of that. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to talking with you guys in a couple of weeks. All right. Uh, and make sure, uh, podcast-wise, uh, Tapping the Keg on social, uh, sorry, Tapping the Keg, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever else you use podcasts, we are there. Uh, we should be there for you. Um, we tape four days a week. If you're new, if you're just joining us, uh, welcome. Uh, I did have a Colin Sexton tweet that went a little viral. I shouldn't call Colin Sexton a loser. I'll talk about that later. Uh, but anyways, uh, so if you are new, uh, welcome in. Uh, yeah, four days a week. Uh, schedule this week uh, for those that care. Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, off Thursday, and then Friday. Uh, Mitch and I probably doing the deadline. Um, I haven't confirmed that with Mitch, but that's kind of what I'd like to do. Um, given the NBA trade deadline is Thursday, so probably no point to have a podcast that day, especially because Bucks don't play, Marquette doesn't play. Uh, good day to take off unless something crazy happens, like Corbin Burns, and then you do podcasts. You know, 10, 10 podcasts in the last two weeks. So hopefully uh, that is not the case, uh, but I appreciate all the support. Uh, the listens were great last week. So let's keep that rolling. All right, let's do the viewer guide draft. So uh, this, or if you got, I, I shouldn't call it draft because I am doing this by myself. So I'm not drafting with anybody, but it's basically a viewer's guide. So to help you figure out the month of February, um, look, I get it. Uh, February is a sometimes busy month. Uh, you have Valentine's day. Uh, you have, just it's the doldrums of winter. You also have footballs over. Uh, so you have to, you know, maybe you're reintroducing yourself to basketball. Um, that's okay. I'm not judging you. I think there are people who, you know, can only really watch one sport or they can only watch a couple sports because maybe their significant other doesn't like sports that much. So you kind of have to manage your time or, uh, you know, it's a situation where you're just focused on one and then you move to the other. So I get that. Um, so that's why I'm here for you. I'm here to tell you, you know, one of the games that you can't miss, one of the games that are solid, that could end up being really great games. And then the ones that, yeah, you probably could second screen while your wife watches Bravo. And then ones that are missable ones that are just like, you know what? I don't need to watch hoops tonight. Now, granted, do I? Yes. 
Will I miss a bevy of these games because I'll be in Portugal and Amsterdam? Yeah, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. Uh, hopefully having content for you guys. I, I really got to work on that. Who, whom's would have guessed that I've procrastinated that that part of my uh, my own personal assignment. But I hope to get you guys some stuff uh, so you're not just in the dark for two weeks. Um, but anyways, um, I, I think that all that he said, they, there are games definitely to pay attention to and to dive into it, to get to start. The ones that you can't miss. Uh, number one for me is Marquette UConn. I might be biased, but I feel like it's going to be a top 10 matchup, all things considered. Um, even if Marquette were to lose to Butler, uh, which is earlier that week, which has seemingly become a much tougher two-game road trip, I think, than any of us projected at the start of the season. Um, and it's a clear look ahead to UConn on the weekend uh, for the Golden Eagles and a Butler team that could have a sweep against Marquette as like a resume, you know, sort of, I guess, a, what would the word be? It's like a resume booster, I guess would be the best way to say that. Uh, so all that to say, like, I expect this to be a top 10 matchup between these two teams, be the matchup of the day uh, between the Golden Eagles and the Huskies. Uh, UConn obviously was two, one and two against Marquette last year. Uh, Marquette was the last team to beat UConn for the, before they went on their national championship run. I think there will be a lot of sort of piss and vinegar from UConn. I also think Marquette will want to, you know, make a statement. And there are only two games back of the Huskies. Um, I don't know UConn's schedule, so maybe, you know, it's a current tiebreaker. Um, it's very hard to win in UConn. Uh, things went off the rails last year uh, against the Huskies in that game. And so how does Marquette prevent that uh, this year around? But that game is going to be one that, We'll have we'll have all our eyes on. We'll all be we'll all be watching. I think even if you're a even if you're a uh, Wisconsin fan, I think you're watching that game. I, I would have put Wisconsin Purdue on this, by the way, as like a camp miss. Uh, but obviously, uh, we're doing this a couple days after the month of February has begun. So I, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, Marquette UConn to me is the game of the month. Um, it is the one that I think is the best. I think it's two o'clock. On Fox, um, I'm leaving for Portugal that next day, uh, so that'll be a crazy day uh, in my house. But you know, you gotta spend those two hours watching the Golden Eagles take on the Huskies, and hopefully, it's a much better outcome than than what we saw last year. Now, I, am I expecting Marquette to win? No. Will they be be underdogs? Yes. Um, but I still think it's gonna be a really good game. Uh, there, there are a few Bucks games that I feel like are on that must watch, can't miss them. Uh, Bucks Nuggets, um, I think, is number one on that list. Um, I, I think that just how good that game was a couple weeks ago. Um, the fact we're getting it again now, uh, three weeks later, I think it's next next Monday night. Um, that should be a fantastic basketball game. Um, they, you know, the Nuggets are a really good team. They're a little different on the road, so I'll be curious to see a few things. Like number one, how do they play on the road? Number two, what kind of adjustments does Doc Rivers make? against that Nuggets team because that'll be the first team that Doc has played, you know, with this Bucks team, you know, for, you know, two two times, right? So he'll have opportunities to make adjustments from that last game and see if they can, you know, be better than what they were. And, and the Bucks didn't even really play that bad in that game and all things considered with all the shit going on and the, being the first Doc Rivers game, like I, I think it was a, it, it was an excellent basketball game and it wasn't one of those bad losses, quote unquote, for the Bucks. Uh, definitely an explainable loss, if you will. 
Uh, I've Bucks Timberwolves round two as my next, you know, can't miss game. I'm not putting the first one in just because that will be the Bucks' fifth game in the last seven days. That's really tough for a veteran team. Um, I'm not going into that with a ton of great expectations. The Bucks Timberwolves are Friday after the All-Star break. So the Bucks will be well rested. Again, the Bucks will get a look at the Timberwolves. I think the matchup with Minnesota is pretty good with Gobert and Towns. I think the Bucks have the size for that. And I actually think that Giannis does massive work against Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, to me, his defensive player of the year candidacy, if he played in the same conference as Giannis, it would be completely null and void because Giannis owns him. It's a 9 p.m. start in Minnesota in the Twin Cities. So it'll be a rowdy crowd. Uh, definitely uh, for those who will be able to watch it, I will not be, uh, again, be, uh, be, be overseas. But I think that will be a lot of fun. You know, Friday night, 9 p.m., you can go to the bar, you can... You know, you could also just watch it at home, but have a few beers. Like that's that's exactly what you want. That's a great way to end your week. Um, you know, maybe your significant other nods off to bed early, so you just get kind of alone time with your bucks. Like, yeah, absolutely, man. Bucks Bucks Timberwolves part two is is certainly on that list. And then Bucks Suns tomorrow night. Um, yes, the Bucks are going to be. It's three games and four nights, um, but it's still a good look at a team that. Could, has been playing a lot better in the Phoenix Suns. I mean, classic Bucks have not played the Suns yet this year. The Suns were a mess for a few months, and the Bucks didn't get to play them at all. Uh, so that that's unfortunate. Um, but should be a good game. Uh, always fun to watch Giannis versus KD. Um, and you know what? You know, Dame Lillard should be able to have his way uh, with that Suns backcourt. It's not a great defense at all. Um, I think this game will kind of be a first to first to. Uh, 130 uh, sort of thing because Nurkic can't guard Giannis. You want to talk about a guy who can't guard Giannis, it's Nurkic. Um, so I, even though the Bucks are kind of up against it, being that it's the third game in four nights, I actually do think that they have a they have a real shot in that game. I think they actually match up well uh, with the Nuggets. Obviously, Doc Rivers, you know, has coached against Frank Vogel, knows what Frank Vogel's all about, uh, knows what a lot of those guys are about. I think that's a, a good matchup for a guy like Doc, who's been in the league for so long, and same with his coaches. Solid, o- solid overall good, and could be great. Uh, we'll stick with the Bucs. Um, I have Bucks Sixers on that list. Um, I, look, that would definitely be a must-watch game. Doc's return to Philly, but with Embiid being hurt, and it looks like Embiid's going to be out for a significant amount of time, um, I, I just think that, that that takes that game down a notch, right? Um, it's definitely not the same game. Um, and the Sixers are still going to be a solid team, uh, but you just have to wonder, like, where do they end up falling? You know, I think obviously the biggest benefit factor is the Knicks uh, with the Sixers sort of trailing off here. Um, and it, and they lost, they had a bad loss on on Saturday in the first game, you know, post and beat injury, uh, losing to the Nets. And Nets have not played well this season, and they, especially recently, and they were able to beat them. So I, I, I look at that, and I just, I think that it's still a good matchup. It's an ABC matchup, prime time, or it's middle of the day. It's noon, it's noon here. But still, I, I think that that's a, that's a good game regardless. I put Bucks Timberwolves round one here in terms of the solid overall good, but could be great. It's still gonna be a great game, but as mentioned, five and seven. Um, I, I think that that makes it a little tougher. Uh, Marquette St. John's is next for me. Um, the 
St. John's team, it, it's exciting. It's a few reasons, right? It's number one, you know, St. John's is you know still that fun story. I think it's kind of lost its luster a little bit because St. John's is kind of a middle-of-the-road Big East team. But it's National Marquette. Uh, that thing is going to be so loud at the Pfizer Forum. That will arguably be the best crowd of, you know, the month of February. Um, it's a 5 p.m. start. It gives people a ton of time to get in their cups. Um, it is going to be a rowdy ass environment. Uh, very happy that I'm able to go. Uh, I found tickets, you know, for face value. It was one of the better things I've done, I think, this year so far is get those tickets because they. I didn't think I was going to find anything for face, but I did. Shout out to the uh, Facebook group, the Marquette Marketplace. But yeah, that, that should be a fantastic game. And St. John's will want to play spoiler. Uh, it's never easy against St. John's. Those games have been really good between Marquette and St. John's. Uh, but let's just hope maybe that this is where Marquette overwhelms them. St. John's has been a little bit of a different team away from Madison Square Garden and Karnasaka Arena. Moving on and staying with the solid, could be good, but great. And I, I, I promise there is a there's a Badger. Let's, let's add the Badgers here. Badgers versus Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin goes to Iowa on February the 17th. I'll say this about if you're like, well, where are the bad? Well, first of all, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Wisconsin, Purdue were probably, I don't know if I'd put Wisconsin, Purdue in a must watch. Definitely Wisconsin, Nebraska would be pretty high on the solid overall good, could be great ranking. Um, and so I, I did do the Badgers a disservice. I will, I will fully acknowledge that. I will also acknowledge Big Ten's not that deep. Like there are not a lot of games that are like, whoa, got to watch this one. I think, you know, in terms of Wisconsin, Iowa, it's on the road in uh, Carver Hawkeye. I don't know if it's Carver Hawkeye Arena. Yeah, I think that's what it's called, right? Um, and they play really well there. Iowa is an excellent home team. Um, they they seemingly do a lot better in Iowa City than away from Iowa City. Those rims are, are definitely generous. Um, and, you know, if Wisconsin keeps it up, they'll, they'll be kind of looking at Wisconsin as a potential quad one win. Iowa, not right now on the bubble, but obviously trying to work their way towards the bubble. A lot can change in, in a couple weeks. So, you know, they're going to be looking at the Badgers as red meat. Um, definitely, I think one of the things Wisconsin will have to adjust with this month, because they have a lot of road games, is they're going to have a target on their back in a lot of those. Because even those bad teams, you know, like Rutgers and Michigan, who they played this week, like they're going to look at those as like potential Super Bowls. Right? It's like, all right, well, at least we can hang our hat on that. I don't know about Michigan, uh, just because of just how bad it's been for them. And it feels like they're just running out the clock for Juwan Howard and they don't want to fire him early. Uh, I think that's a mess there. Um, that's a little different. But um, I, I do think that they're, you know, will have that target on their back and Iowa will be looking at it. And usually, usually Wisconsin-Iowa games are, are pretty solid. Uh, I'll go back to uh, Marquette. I have Marquette Xavier. Um, you know, Xavier is an interesting team because they're kind of in that same Iowa category. It is at home uh, for the Golden Eagles, so they have that. Uh, it will be a Sunday at late afternoon. Like, it's 4 o'clock. Like, to me, that's always a, kind of a weird time, right? Like, everybody's sort of winding down their day, and now you have Xavier. And Xavier has come on strong of late, but the but with Xavier is they've, they've lost to UConn twice. They lost to Villanova. They lost to Creighton. They haven't exactly beat the best of the best in college basketball. So they're a touch overrated. They have an interesting resume. They played Purdue. They played Houston. Uh, so it's like they've played some good teams, but we really haven't exactly seen it against the best of the best. But Xavier Marquette games have been really fun 
uh, the last couple of years, and I, I would expect no different. It's actually a fun Sunday. Uh, that's the, That would be a premier Sunday fun day uh, if you're that type of person because you could do on that Sunday, you could do Bucks Sixers at noon. You could have brunch, boozy brunch and then go to Marquette Xavier at 4 o'clock. Like, uh, that, that's that's pretty good. Like that's a uh, that's a good ass day. Um, so I, I don't hate that idea. Marquette Butler next on my list. Um, I I don't think I would have put this game in that second second tier category until recently. Uh, Butler has come on real strong. Butler is a fringe tournament team. Um, it's what we just talked about Iowa and Wisconsin, same thing applies. Uh, the target will be directly on Marquette's back in that game. Uh, Butler will be looking for the sweep. It is a Bonafide look-ahead spot uh, for the Golden Eagles with UConn that following week. Maybe because they lost to Butler, their antennas are up at least. Um, Butler has been a house of horrors for Marquette. They did win there last year and clinch the division, but they have had some really bad losses there um, as well. So that's all, all to say there's, there's a little bit of concern. Lastly on this list is Wisconsin-Maryland. Maryland isn't a bad team. Um, I don't necessarily think Maryland aesthetically is that fun to watch? Uh, but I, I think that it still could be a, a pretty solid game uh, between the two teams. Their first meeting of the year uh, in the Kohl Center, um, Tuesday, February twentieth. So it, it'll be a and it's you know coming off that Iowa game, and I think that Mark or Wisconsin, pardon me, should it should have no problem with, with Maryland. Um, but you never know, um, and that that could be a could be a decent game. All right, second, third tier rating, just all right. Second screen while your wife watches Bravo. Um, Bucks Heat uh, is number one on that list. Um, I, here's the thing, Heat just aren't playing well, right? Like Bucks Heat has been a rivalry. It is a rivalry game, and the Heat usually always play the Bucks well. Uh, but that's just the Heat are just a mess right now. Um, and I, there were rumors that Jimmy Butler could get traded. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, um, but. If, maybe this looks differently, uh, depending on what the Heat do at the deadline. Uh, but they are they are really struggling. They're the eighth seed right now in the Eastern Conference, and it doesn't kind of look like last year where the Heat are playing possum. They're just not a good team. Uh, they just seemingly do not win against teams above 500. Um, and yeah, I'm not I'm not in on the Heat right now. Um, Marquette Providence is number two for me. While Providence Marquette was a great has been a great matchup in Providence and Providence has played Marquette tough in the past. Providence is clearly kind of leaking oil a little bit um, after the Bryce Hopkins ACL injury. Uh, you're kind of starting to see the effects of it, right? They beat Georgetown, they beat DePaul, they had a nice win against Seton Hall. But since that Butler win, um, where they were two and zero, they have now what are they? They've lost six six of their last nine so it's it's not been great they're five and six overall um the creighton game they have actually uh today is a, or wednesday excuse me is a must win uh it's kind of one of those you gotta you gotta write the ship but uh they have marquette you know on the road uh the golden eagles definitely play well at home uh and should should have no problem in that game um but we'll see you know you just you just never know uh with with the golden eagles and with that Providence matchup, and it's, it's always it always seems to get weird uh, with Marquette Providence, but definitely on that third tier, Wisconsin Indiana. Um, I don't think Indiana will be looking for the tournament. Um, they, you know, it's been a bad year for them. Mike Woodson definitely on the hot seat, and you know who knows that Indiana team might be checked out. Uh, the Badgers have played well against the Hoosiers, no matter what. Sticking with Wisconsin, uh, the next two Ohio State, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like. 
Chris Holtman looks like he's on his way out. Uh, they, the Ohio State can't win on the road. Uh, and they, they haven't won a road game since I think it was January 1st, 2022. Uh, it's been terrible. Um, they've just been an awful road team. So not it could be easily a blowout there. And then Wisconsin going to Rutgers on Saturday. Rutgers, the rack, always a tough place to play. But Rutgers has been a shell of themselves uh, through the last couple of years. Kind of a one-year kind of downswing as they're bringing in a ton of talented, ton of talented players next year. Uh, but this has just not been a good year for Rutgers. Rutgers has been beat at home. I think Illinois crushed them. Uh, and Purdue Purdue won too. So like, if you're looking at that upper crust of the Big Ten between Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin, like Badgers shouldn't have any issues there. Um, but it's 11 a.m. game. It's your second game on a road trip. Could be a sleepy environment, but I, I think that should still amount to a Badger victory. On that can miss, and I, I'm ranking these from like, extremely missable to like, yeah, maybe maybe you want to check it out, but you still could probably miss it. Um, Marquette DePaul. Um, DePaul's terrible. Uh, it's at home. Uh, it should be a absolute ass kicking. If you want to go check out Marquette, that might be a good opportunity. I'm sure tickets will be mentally available. Bucks Hornets, all three matchups. The Bucks play the Hornets three times in the month of February. Those games have to be wins. Uh, the Bucks play the Hornets on a Friday night after there, I think that's actually their five and seven. I misspoke. I think that's their fifth game in seven. It's a back-to-back after that Timberwolves game on Friday. Um, I think you're going to see everybody rest in that game, honestly, because I think you could beat the Timberwolves with, you know, the Bucks' second unit. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the Hornets with the Bucks' second unit. And then they play the Hornets again at the end of the end of the month on a back-to-back where they're in Charlotte for one and they're in Milwaukee for the other. And then uh, Wisconsin-Michigan, we kind of talked already about how Michigan's just a mess. And then lastly, Bucks Grizzlies. Um, I think you just never know what you get. We, they don't have Jaron Jackson, which they didn't have against the Celtics, and we're 18-point dogs. Um, they are just uh, not good. Um, but they have Jaron Jackson. They're actually not bad. Like, they're an okay watch. But uh, Jaron Jackson's been injured. Who knows if they're going to they're gonna kind of keep him uh, on the bench as they kind of try to semi-tank. Uh, we'll see what the – and also the Grizzlies might look different, you know, post-deadline. Uh, as they have that uh, next week. All right, let's stick with the Bucks and head to the tap list. Tap list is something that we do kind of after every Bucks game, uh, talk about the games and, you know, like what's on tap? Like what, what are the taps? And what are those storylines? What are those headlines uh, from everything? And we're obviously talking about both games between the Bucks, uh, their victory over the Dallas Mavericks and their loss to the Utah Jazz. So one on one weekend. And Saturday was great. Uh, Sunday was okay, but frustrating, I think would be the best way to describe it. Uh, Saturday was just excellent because you had a Bucks team who was down 25 points. Uh, they really struggled early in that game. It looked like, okay, here we go, three-game losing streak on deck. And then all of a sudden, they flipped a switch. And Dallas stopped making shots, and the Bucks were really making everything. And just... The domination that they had against that Dallas team was so fucking fun to watch because you just sort of saw what this peak of this team can be. And you saw just the version of them and the defense they played on Luka Doncic, which probably could be its own tap. But the what they did to Luka, where he had 40 points, but it, a lot of that was in the first half. They did a really good job on Luka Doncic in terms of like the like blitz trap. And I know you're like, well, Griffin trap too. It's like, no. It, it was different. It was like they would send another guy, Luca, and force force other Dallas players to beat him, and, Dal and Dallas couldn't do that. And it kind of 
exposed Dallas. And, you know, credit to Rivers, credit to, you know, whoever else, you know, getting that sort of defense established against Doncic was really smart. And they did a really good job, you know, in terms of that. And I felt like, you know, they, even though Luca had a big stat number at 40 points, like it was, it was a, Ugly 40. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I was really impressed, you know, in terms of how the Bucks played that game. And Utah, I actually went into that game with like zero expectations against the Jazz. One, the Jazz are one of the best home teams in all of basketball. They are, they have a, a home court advantage you, they, that doesn't exist a lot in the NBA. It does in Utah because of the altitude, because of the crowd. Like it's a fever pitch place. So I expected nothing from this game. I really did. And then you had Chris Middleton's out. You had Brooke Lopez's out. Like, I was like, okay, like, this is not necessarily, you know, a game that I'm expecting this Bucks team to win. And they they win. And, or they don't win, excuse me. They, they won for three quarters. And they, you know, are blowing out the Jazz at one point. I think they got up to about a 17-point lead. But as we know, in the NBA, no lead is safe, uh, just with the three-point variance. And the Jazz are able to come back. They were up, they were down 12 uh, heading into that fourth quarter. And the Bucks give up 40 points in that fourth quarter. They only score 13. They absolutely run out of gas. Um, and I, I think if I have a critique of Doc Rivers, this is my first Doc Rivers critique, uh, so mark that here. He had to balance the minutes much better in this game. Like, you just, you have to know, like, I understand that Doc is comfortable with these veterans. He talked about it uh, in regards to AJ Green uh, before the game on Sunday. But like this would have been a perfect game to give Marjan Bochamp and Andre Jackson Jr. seven minutes, okay? Like in the second quarter, in the third quarter, so that Giannis and Dame and Bobby and and all these guys were well rested for the th- fourth quarter. And I feel like he kind of managed the game almost for a three three quarter game. Like it was like all these guys were exhausted and they they lost their legs in the fourth quarter. And I, I felt like I felt like that was really a fault to Doc Rivers. And Doc was like, oh I should have played Robin Lopez more. It's like, well dude, like Robin Lopez was not the to me that wasn't it. It was you should have played the young guys more. Like that that those are the guys. And so if this is really just the Bucks trying to make sure, and the, and he has marching orders to say play the old guys, and Doc was probably like, I have to play one of these young guys. They're like, all right, fine, play AJ Green. Like I don't know, I have no idea. Like I I think that maybe the Bucks are trying to hide Bo Champ and Jackson Jr. Um, I have no idea what John Horst is cooking. Um, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe this is a you know, sort of a conspiracy, if you will. Uh, but yeah, I would have liked to see a little more from the uh, the young guys in that. But that's okay. Um, it's still there was still a lot of good in that game. Like I think the fact the Bucks came out, you know, punched them in the mouth, were up in that game. I still think is encouraging. I think the fact they didn't just lay down was was great. It just sucks they ran out of gas. Uh, I kind of mentioned Saturday, but. You know, Giannis and Dame were a machine um, against the Mavericks. Like, this is exactly what you want, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo had 20-28, uh, 48 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds, 5 steals. An absolutely absurd stat line for Antetokounmpo. Then you had Dame Lillard, who had 30 points. He had 8 assists, 3 rebounds, but he was 10 of 11 from the floor. He was 5 of 5, made all 
of his threes. Like, just an absolute great game from both players. And I think this is the type of thing where you look at it and you're like, okay, I don't, I don't think you can do this every game. But if you could just do this once or twice a playoff series, you're going to win. You're going to get to the finals. You're going to find your way to the finals. You just have to, you know, make sure that everybody's on the same page. And I, I think hopefully they take that Dallas game. They watch tape. They understand, you know, I, and this is still a new coaching staff, right? As crazy as that sounds, like how does that, that coaching staff should just watch the Dallas tape and be like, all right, what things worked in that? And, and coincidentally enough, watch the fourth quarter of Utah and be like, what went wrong there? And, and how do you how do you avoid the, those fourth quarters? And how do you make sure that games like Dallas, maybe not at that level, but how do games like that happen more often for the Milwaukee Bucks? Uh, continuing on, AJ Green's breakout. Like, I, look, I, there were a lot of people who've liked AJ Green. Um, there's definitely an AJ Green hive. Uh, AJ Green, the last two games, has seen significant minutes. Uh, he played only six in Dallas, but made threes and was plus 16 in those six minutes that he was out there. Then got 22 minutes in the game against Utah, 10 points, actually got five rebounds. I felt like his defense was actually pretty solid. Um, and I think AJ Green's, you know, kind of taking those pack content minutes. I know it, it's like, oh yeah, the white guy's replacing the white guy, but no, it's it's true. Like he's a little shorter. I think he's a little shorter than Pat Connaughton, but still like he can do things that I think that it, it's underrated and we haven't necessarily seen a lot from AJ Green, you know, bits and pieces throughout the season. But when he's gotten his time, he's really sort of made the most of it. And I think you're going to see more AJ Green as the season goes on. I, I think that there is a real opportunity for him. And I think he's going to continue to, you know, find his ways into the rotation, especially if he's able to hit shots like he was against Utah. And he's going to get those open looks. And and that that's a guy I think you want shooting the three. Um, as for continuing on on the tap list, does any team cry more than Dallas? No, uh, absolutely not. Uh, I couldn't believe how much Luka bitches. I just, I can't, I can't fathom how, how it would be to cheer for that team. Um, I just, I think that the way that they just complain and complain and complain is, is just so tiring to watch. I'm so glad that we only have to watch Dallas twice a year. Um, because it's, it's just terrible. Um, and I think Luca's is not going to get anywhere until he sort of sucks it up a little bit. Like, I, I just think he whines way too much. And I, I, I think it affects his game. I think the Bucks took him out of his game by beating him up a little bit, by trapping him. And he thought everything was a foul. And it's just bullshit. So, I don't know. I, I just, they are not, to me, a fun watch. Um, I'm not like, I'm like oh, I got to watch Luca. It's like, no, I, I like watching when Luca's on a heater. It's a lot of fucking fun. But I, I don't like how much he complains. It's it's terrible. It's not it's not enjoyable for me. Um I, I, dude, I talked a little bit about the fourth quarter. I do want to say there were a couple people that showed their ass about, like, they didn't watch the fourth quarter. There was an NBA guy who was like, oh, Bucks aren't dancing now. Conveniently enough, he went to Seton Hall. Uh, he's a huge Seton Hall fan. It's funny that Adrian Griffin also uh, was from Seton Hall, uh, by the way. So no bias probably from that dude. Uh, but anyways, like, it was like, yeah. And then I think Doug Russell had something. And, and Doug was also tweeting about the Grammys. So it's like, Doug, you weren't watching, dude. You just, you just watched the box score. And it's like, I, I think the, the whole thing there is like, I, I don't 
like I'm not mad at the Bucks. I think what I said about Doc and his rotation should have been better. He should have had a deeper bench, but that's the only thing. Like they were they were playing they played a good three quarters of a game without Brook Lopez and Chris Middleton. Do they lose that game with Chris Middleton and Brook Lopez, or if they or if it's not a back to back? I don't think so. I think they probably win going away. Um, so it is what it is. Uh, the Bobby Portis difference. I do want to point this out about Bobby Portis. And I know we've been really hard on Bobby Portis uh, throughout the last you know few few weeks, if you will. Uh, it's probably a number one trade target, number one enemy of Bucks Twitter, if you will. So Bobby Portis on in the game against Dallas, where he came off the bench, he still played 31 minutes. He was 4-10. He made uh, four free throws and had 12 points. It was minus three in terms of his PER. So three, negative three in terms of when Bobby was on the court. Then against the Jazz, where he started, uh, he was he had 27 points, seven rebounds, but was 11 of 20 in terms of shooting the basketball. Was a minus 18 out there, which is the difference of this game, right? If Bobby is just even out there, Bucks win this basketball game. He also shot 20 shots, which guess what? It's more than Giannis. It's more than Dame. Dame had a bad night, 518, but it's more shots than either of those guys. That just can't fucking happen. Jay Crowder was two of 10. I, Jay Crowder also should not be shooting 10, 10 times. Like, I understand that sometimes these guys, like, they just have to make the extra pass. And I think one of the frustrating things about Adrian Griffin is he let these guys get in the bad habits. And you, you just see it. You saw it in that Portland game. You saw it in this Jazz game. And when they lose, it seems like these bad habits come back and they forget, like, what they just did the day, the day before, right? So, uh, is there a Tyler Ford conspiracy? So some Bucks Twitter was talking about how Tyler Ford just does not ref the Bucks well. Um, and Ben Thompson was kind of railing on it. And I looked it up. Um, I don't have stats for this year, but for last year, uh, the Bucks were 5-1 and one, uh, when Tyler Ford was calling games. So I, I don't think you can point to that ref and be like, oh yeah, Tyler Ford's a major problem. He was like Joey Crawford-esque uh, to the San Antonio Spurs. I'm like, ah, I don't know if we can say that when the Bucks were five and one with Tyler Ford calling games. He does, I will say, he does call three more shooting fouls on average to the opponent versus the Bucks. He only calls about ten fouls per ten shooting fouls. I don't know if it's per, it must be per game uh, to the Bucks and then thirteen uh, to the opposition. So that's a little bit concerning, right? But he's not the only official that has that distinction, right? Like this is not just the Tyler Ford thing, and so to me. It's hard for me to claim conspiracy on that. I will say the refs were miserable in this game. Uh, they they just could not figure out how to ref this basketball game. Uh, I think the Colin Sexton thing, you know, tightened it up um, and everything else. But I also think that they were just not, they didn't give the same amount of, you know, basically credence to Giannis getting uh, just assaulted by Walker Kessler and Markkinen when Kessler and Markkinen were getting calls that Giannis and Bobby really were not. As for the last part, Colin Sexton, uh, he's off the trade deadline uh, acquisitions. There was rumors year, uh, in the offseason that the Bucks could require Colin Sexton. Uh, Colin Sexton hits Giannis in the face. Then Malik Beasley you know, runs him with a shoulder and Sexton immediately flops after Sexton is staring down Giannis uh, for putting, a, putting an elbow in his face. I called it a loser move on Twitter. Um, I, I said he was a like a. That's why he's always been on loser t losing teams. Uh, people took umbrage for that. Got mad at me. Um, look, probably should have said it, but I was heated. And 
it's just it's just bad behavior, man. Like that's just I'm just telling you, like that's not what teams who you know need to get fired up about regular season do. And so I I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, and yeah, I don't think Colin Sexton is going to be uh, mentioned for any Bucks trades any anytime soon. We'll see what uh, happens with this Bucks team uh, against the Phoenix Suns uh, t- tomorrow night. Uh, should be a interesting matchup, uh, as mentioned earlier in the show. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll see how they end up, and we'll certainly talk about it on Wednesday's show. Wrapping up today's program with the Marquette Golden Eagles, uh, Marquette. Had a 34-point win against Georgetown on the road. And you can say, Charlie, it's Georgetown. But it's Georgetown, right? I know it's Georgetown, but look, that's very impressive. I I, I really don't care that it was 34. I, I don't care it's Georgetown. You won on the road in conference by 34 points. I think anytime you win on the road by more than 20 that's that's worth noting. That's worth being impressed over. And I think things just look really good for this Marquette team. We talked about uh, after the Villanova game how they, they kind of looked like they got their grip back. They looked like they got their swagger back. And I think it was on full display again on Saturday. Um, they just seem really well connected. They seem focused. They seem ready for March. I, you know, I, I've realized I'm a theory podcast. I give a lot of theories out. I, I wonder if the doldrums of the season were kind of getting to Marquette earlier in the year where they were kind of like, okay, they got hyped up for this non-conference, which was a very challenging non-conference schedule. And they got hyped up for it. Then they kind of, you know, hit this lull, if you will. And now as we inch closer to March and we're about six weeks away from having a bracket, they're like, all right, we're fucking ready. Like, they kind of can put on the fuck em chip and put on that shul- chip on your shoulder mentality because they know they have unfinished business in March. And so I, I just wonder, is that part of it? I also, you know, we talked about, you know, these guys have kind of grown up a little bit, right? And you have David Joplin, who's just playing his ass off on both ways, has become a two-way player, um, really out of nowhere, right? I don't think any of us expected that. You get Chase Ross back. He didn't have a good game, but you get Chase Ross back. Cam Jones breaks out of his shooting slump. Like all of these things like are coming together at the right time. I'm not exactly worried that Marquette is peaking um, because I think like you have two games against UConn left. Like those are going to humble you. Uh, Whether you win or you lose, like those are going to be big ass games that you have to be focused for, you have to be dialed in for. And you're like, yes, college basketball is a very weird sport in the sense that like you can be at the highest of highs for three or four weeks and you can be at the lowest of lows for three or four weeks. And we've seen some swoons in February, mostly under Wojo. Uh, first year of Shaka, I think they kind of had a February swoon too. Like, so it, it's definitely on the table. It definitely can happen. But I don't think that's going to happen with this Marquette team. I think they are they are really, you know, on the same page. And they kind of survived this four out of six, like, road trip. Remember, like, we were all really worried about Marquette on the road. And they had really struggled on the road. And we wondered, like, okay, how are they going to be able to survive it? And guess what? They fucking thrived. They went four out of six, and they went four and zero on the road. And yes, the Paul and Georgetown are in those in that category. But you also grinded out a win against St. John's. You grinded out a win 
against Villanova. Like, that is nothing to take away from that. And now you get a pretty favorable schedule down the stretch where you get more of your games are at home. You get a week off here before St. John's. You have no sort of national market day look ahead spot on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. All your focus is towards St. John's. And you get, you know, obviously you can see what they did against UConn. I don't know if the Johnnies have a game prior to Marquette. They do. They have DePaul uh, at home on, on Tuesday night, uh, which, again, is a, a warm-up. But at the same time, like, that adds to sort of the, you know, sort of the, the wear and tear, if you will, right? Like, they, aren't, they don't get that week off. They don't get to be well-rested. Cam Jones, who is, again, tremendous in this game, like, gets a week off with that ankle injury. Chase Ross gets more time to kind of just get back to 100%. They can look at some things. What worked? What didn't? Um, and so, I, yeah, I'm just really encouraged with where Marquette is right now, uh, winning the last five games and winning five straight and really seeming like there's no there's no signs of them stopping and seems like there's no signs of them, you know, just slowing down in, in really any moment. So... As for the grades from this game and what what I saw in terms of the best and worst, um, we do this after most Marquette games. Um, and an A to Cam Jones, I, I'd already mentioned, you know, that Cam Jones sort of had just this excellent basketball game where he scores 31 points really out of nowhere. Uh, I, I think we all were like, Cam Jones is going to have limited minutes. We talked about it on the PSF app. Uh, and then Cam Jones went off in that second half, uh, 31 points, Seven threes made, uh, just a, just a tremendous game from Cam Jones, and he had really struggled uh, in the Big East and was not exactly having that great of a Big East season after having a great non-conference year. And this just you wonder if this gets his groove back, right? We talked about it with David Joplin how after that DePaul game, it seems like David Joplin has kind of been a different player. Is this the game that propels Cam Jones? Is this the game that? all of a sudden carries Cam Jones. And so now you have him rolling, you have Joplin rolling, you have Kolek, you know, obviously being a dude. You have Oso Yadar who's been great. Like, again, this is what we talked about. Like everything's kind of coming together at the right time. Uh, so really good stuff from Cam Jones. Uh, also an A to Tyler Kolek. Uh, Tyler Kolek, you know, did Tyler Kolek things. Uh, 17 points, uh, three made threes. He had eight assists, uh, two Two rebounds out of that. Uh, solid game for TK. He did shoot. I, I mean, I guess if you want to critique things, he did have he did shoot three seven threes where he definitely could have got to the lane a little more against this Georgetown team. But other than that, that's maybe my only complaint. Uh, Tyler Willick just continues to be a beast and continues his his really impressive run uh, in the last few weeks. It's been really really fun to watch. Kind of Tyler get that swagger back. So we talked a little bit. We already have talked about the two-way job, but Chop's defense is an A for me. Uh, he, look, he had, what, two steals? Yeah, two steals. He had four rebounds, four assists. He started the game with a block. Um, just the way Joplin's playing on defense has been such a revelation. And it's been just, a, I think, one of my favorite storylines of the last couple of weeks is like all of a sudden now it, it doesn't seem like Joplin is just this bench scorer guy who can, you know, give you some microwave minutes. It's like, no, he's, he's doing it on both sides of both sides of court. And uh, I, I'm really impressed with it. Now, 
if you want to like critique it or be a hater about it, like I don't even think you could be a hater about it because you could say, oh, well, you did it against, you know, some lower competition. It's like, I don't know, man. Like I, I still think like you're seeing a different version of David Joplin. He's not just always thinking about, I got to shoot the ball. It's David Joplin time. Like it's, he's just playing a more well-connected all-around basketball game. Uh, also an A to just the two-point assault. Um, Marquette was 21-32 from the two-point. Georgetown's one of the worst two-point teams. Marquette took advantage of that, uh, was just getting everything they wanted inside the paint uh, in this game. And it, it was, you know, they didn't, they didn't fuck around, right? They didn't play with their food. And part of that, not fucking around, all these guys got rest. Um, no one played over 30 minutes. Also, Gidara played the most minutes at, at 28 minutes. But the fact that they've been, you know, obviously playing without Chase Ross for a while. They don't have Sean Jones. They have a limited bench. And all these guys got a ton of rest on top of the fact that now you get a week off. Like, that's just huge. Like, that's just, that's just going to pay off dividends, you know, in the future. So, I love that. I also love the fact that they didn't let up in the last part of this, last part of the first half. There was five minutes left to go uh, in, the, in, the, in the first half. And Marquette was up by like 17 or 18. And it was really similar to what we saw against Villanova and what we saw against DePaul. And in those games, Marquette went cold and really couldn't finish. They fucking finished in this one. They they ended up being up 22 at the break. And they just continued to pound and continued to just go at this Georgetown team. And it was an absolute joy to watch. And just seeing this Golden Eagles team just not, not mess around at all was fantastic and exactly what you wanted. And that is, a, again, another solid development that we've seen from this Golden Eagles team. Moving on to the lesser grades. I have a B for Oso Iguodara. It was just a decent game for Oso. Um, I don't think it was his best. Uh, he was 4-7 from the field. He had 10 points. He had 10 rebounds. Uh, so a double-double, but I just didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like this was one of Oso's best games. He also had a couple turnovers, um, but that, you know that's okay. He's had a, he's had a really good stretch here uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, also a B to yeah, just a, again. This is just I'm little critiques. Slow start. Uh, that's why it's a B. I guess it could be a C. Man, let's put it a C. Another kind of slow start. Like they were up twenty to fourteen in that first ten minutes of the game. Like they could have started. I realized they win by thirty four. They were just dominant. You know, in that second part of the the first half and the first part of the second half, but like it it definitely felt like there was a they a little bit lack some energy. They were kind of feeling out Georgetown, and then they just leaned on them in that second part. And I just want I just I don't understand. Besides that Villanova game, they they just seemingly start slow, and I don't know if that's like them looking for stuff, if that's them sort of trying to figure out what's what, but. Yeah, it's it's been rough uh, for the Golden Eagles uh, in terms of the start category. A D to Al Amadou. I love Al Amadou. I have Al Amadou stock, but I think we saw why Al Amadou doesn't get significant minutes. He had three fouls in seven minutes. Um, that's not great. Uh, and yeah, I just, I think that part of his, like he'll be good next year. I think the development of Al Amadou will certainly be there, but He's definitely a year away from being anything. Uh, D also to Trey Norman. I think you can put Trey Norman in that category too. Uh, he had 13 minutes. He got some opportunity to play. Uh, and I, I just think he's, you know, it's a little bit fast for him still. Um, and that's okay. 
And that's all right, right? He's a freshman. He's not exactly needed. Um, I would I would have loved to see him develop a little more this year, but that's okay. F to Chase Ross. Chase Ross, uh, it was just a rough, rough game for Chase Ross. After having such a good game against Villanova, uh, Chase Ross only scores four points. He had four turnovers, four fouls. Like it was, it was definitely not the uh, the game that Ross had on Tuesday night. Which again, younger player, it's okay. Just coming back from injury, it's all right. Like did not affect this game one way or the other. But just pointing out that it was it was definitely a struggle uh, for Chase. And then last after Ed Cooley's year one. I kind of said on the PSF broadcast, I was like, look, I think Georgetown's going to look for that signature win, look for that thing that they can kind of go home to, and their only win this year is against DePaul. And they they do have home games against Villanova, they have home games against St. John's, home games against UConn. So they're, they're, and obviously Providence and Xavier, I don't think Xavier would be like a signature trademark win. So there's still some opportunity here for Georgetown to potentially you know, get that big win. Uh, but it's definitely been, I don't know if Ed Cooley expected it to be this bad. Um, and trying to keep all these guys together, I think will be a, a real challenge. And will he be able to? Uh, he tried to bring in some guys, you know, who were seniors uh, from the portal. It didn't really work. Uh, so it'll be very fascinating to see kind of what Ed Cooley does. I I would expect that next year is a little better. Maybe an NIT team, maybe they stiff around, you know, the middle of the Big East. And then the following year, it goes really well for them. I, I just think the, it, it, maybe it's not a surprise given the fact that like AJ Store, Adey uh, Awuso, Pasha Alexander, all have been kind of good for their next team after Mike Anderson. But I think like the difference between St. John's like success where they're pretty much in the tournament might be on the bubble now as they keep kind of losing. But then you have Georgetown who's just an afterthought and still Georgetown just shows you how much more work there there was needed to do at Georgetown. But yeah, definitely probably not the year Ed Cooley expected uh, at Georgetown year one. All right, that does it for our show. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. I'm a little under the weather as you can probably tell, uh, but we soldier on. Uh, so we will uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow uh, and look forward to that. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you then. All right, take care. Bye.